Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Last week was a really bad week for me, and my first reaction was to call some friends, and God got me out of bed and sat me in this chair, and he was like, you and I are just going to sit together, and I'm going to help you untangle your brain. And it took a couple hours of just sitting quietly, reading the word, reading the word to him, then just sitting in silence. Like sometimes I just can't even pray. But I'm so glad at those points God can hear my thoughts and knows my thoughts. Because I just then simply say to invite him in. I say, you know me, you know my thoughts, you know how I'm made. I love you, but I just can't pray right now. And it's also been cool to watch the Trinity in action, right? Of Jesus is interceding for me. The Holy Spirit is taking my groanings and uttering, uttering, you know, and bringing it to the Father. It's taken so much pressure off <laughs> of that I don't have to pray this perfect prayer. He's good if you sit and wait on him. He will meet you. Well, good morning, Mercy Church. It is good to be with you this morning. Can we just give Ruthann a hand for sharing her story uh, with us, just her journey in prayer? Um, If you have not had a chance to meet her, uh, I beg of you to do so. You will be blessed. She is a wonderful human being, and I love her dearly. She is really, really fantastic. Well, today we're going to be continuing in our series called Pray 20. And in this series, we've been inviting you to deepen your relationship with the Lord in the area of prayer. And the idea behind this series is that we want every single person to encounter the power and the presence of God. And the cool part about this series is that I know that every single Christian would say, yes, I want to grow in prayer. But the problem is that prayer can be hard, right? It can be hard. We live in an age where distraction and we live in a time when dependency on the Lord isn't our natural response. You know, in our context, we don't always feel the need to pray. You know, some of us in this room have a lot of material wealth and we aren't assaulted with the everyday reality that some of our brothers and sisters around the world and some of our brothers and sisters around our country are faced with. You know, some are praying that they'll just simply have something to eat this day, you know, but that's not most of our realities. Uh, The problem oftentimes is that we've been lulled into a spiritual slumber that turns us into spiritual sleepwalkers who walk throughout life without a real meaningful dependence on God. And when we lack dependence, one thing is sure, we will not be people who persist in prayer. When we do not have dependence, one thing is sure, we will not be people who persist in prayer. You know, today we also live in a culture where we are less and less persistent. You know, we just don't stick to things. You know, like, uh, you know, we ask for something and then we don't get it, so we start to complain. You know, you don't make the baseball team in high school, you know, and instead of practicing the whole next year, you quit and just say the coach is an idiot, you know. Uh, You know, a lack of persistence is certainly true, of us in prayer, you know, we'll pray for something. And when that prayer isn't answered after a week, we throw up our hands and we get frustrated with God. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've done this. I pray long and hard for a week or so. And then after a week, I feel like I haven't been answered. So I lose heart. 
I get discouraged and I get mad at God. Instead of persisting and clinging to God in prayer, I just stop. And I think it's in some area or another, we can all relate to that. You know, so today, in today's sermon, we're going to be looking uh, in Luke chapter 11, and Jesus is going to be calling us to persistent prayer. You know, he's going to show us what persistence looks like, and that when we persist, he will answer us. So as you're turning to Luke 11, uh, verses 5 through 13, let me give you a little bit of context. Let me give you a little bit of context. So uh, in verses one through four of chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And the big idea that he taught them in those first four verses were kind of two things. The first one, that they needed to see God as a father. That's the first thing, that they needed to see God as a father. And the second thing is that prayer calls for the hallowing of his name in all the earth. So that we need to see God as father, and we also need to see that prayers for the hallowing of his name in all the earth to bring glory to his name in all the earth. You know, we'll see a little bit more about this later, but if we're going to understand how to honor God with our prayer lives, then we have to see him as a father. And we have to understand that prayer is for the hallowing of his name. And then right after teaching them to pray, he jumps right into verse 5 in a parable on persistence. You know, it's not surprising that he decides to teach the disciples on persistence because his entire life has been marked by prayer. At one point, Jesus even prayed 40 days in a row in the midst of temptation. Yet, right after teaching them about praying to God as a father and for the hallowing of his name. He jumps into this parable. Let's start in verse five. So let's read it. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So the first thing I think Jesus wants us to see here is that Jesus calls us to bold and persistent prayer. Jesus calls us to bold and persistent prayer. Okay, so Jesus starts off by telling this terrible, we've got, uh, this, this parable, it's a terrible parable. Uh, so we've got this persistent friend who's asking for bread at a horrible time of the night. And listen, we all need to understand that this request is wildly inconvenient. Like it is wildly inconvenient. You know, houses in Palestine during this time, it's not like there were four to five bedroom, two and a half bath. You know, you call your realtor, that's what you're looking for. No, like these, you gotta get this picture in your mind. This is a one bedroom house. You know, everyone's sleeping on mats together. The parents and all the kids are in the same room. So this guy's showing up at the door. You know, he's gonna wake up all the kids, right? And it's like, bro, do you understand how long it takes to get a two-year-old to sleep when everybody is in the same room? You know, we just got this little guy down and now you're showing up and you're asking me for bread. I promise you, if you wake the kids, my wife will hunt you down, right? It's like, like I think parents in the room could feel that right now, you know, and, you know, I, I was reminded as I was thinking about this, how many of you have ever seen the show Martin? How many of you have ever seen, okay, you see, a few of you around the room. All right, you've seen the show Martin, all right? So Martin was, was a sitcom back in the day, and so it was about Martin Lawrence, and Martin Lawrence had a friend that would show up every once in a while, and his name was Bro Man, okay? Now, Bro Man lived on the fifth floor, and he would climb into Martin's window. He'd always hold up four when he was getting in the fifth floor. Uh, so, he, so he'd hold up the floor. He'd, he'd jump in the window from the fire escape, and he'd be like, Martin, give me some sandwiches, right? So he'd jump in, and he's, he, and he's this guy, and that's who this guy reminds me of. He was the bro man of Palestine. You know, he's just bust, busting in, you know, any time of the night with ridiculous requests. And this particular request was, was so ridiculous. It's not like people had bread just like you know, sitting in the closet. No, like, like people, this is what they did. They made bread for that day, right? They made bread for that day. So they, so in order to fulfill this request, he would have had to get up and wake everybody up and then make the bread, or he would have had to go to his neighbors, 
wake them up so that they could make the bread. So this, 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 let's just say this, this guy's bold, right? He's bold and he is persistent. And this is what Jesus is calling us to is, pers- is this kind of persistent prayer, this persistent asking. Jesus is giving us a picture of a bold and a shameless guy who isn't afraid to go and ask for the world of his friend. He's not calling us to quiet, one knock on the door type of prayer. He's calling us to bold and persistent prayer. Let's look at verse eight. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So let's focus on this word impudence for a second because I think it's key to the passage. So this word impudence, it's kind of like a combination between persistence and a lack of sensitivity to like proper etiquette. Right, so, so, so it's a, a combination of persistence and a lack of sensitivity. It's almost like how you'd feel, you know, when someone's in the room with, you know, they're just really bold, saying a lot of different things, but they lack a little bit of social awareness. You know, that's kind of what that's like. You know, it's like when my sister recently walked in the, or not recently, when I, was in, when I was in college, she walked in the door and she was all upset. She just broke up with her boyfriend. And then my buddy leans over and is like, so can I ask your sister out? You know, it's like this, like, dude, read the room. You know what I mean? Like, like read the room room, and, and some of y'all are like, man, I've never experienced that before. I don't know what that's like. Well, maybe you are the awkward one. And if, if, you know, and if you're wondering if that's you, Pastor Richard told me that he would love to talk with you, and that he'd be happy to tell you if you're the awkward one. He promised me that. I know you're, you look out for people that way. Uh, so, so, so what's the picture here? So what's the picture here? The picture that we need to see is that because of his shameless persistence, This friend gives him what he is asking for. This is what Jesus is calling us to, bold and persistent prayer. We have to be bold and persistent with the Lord, like the woman in Luke 18. Let me read this story really quickly to you. So in verse chapter two in Luke 18, it says, he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because of this widow, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And then the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? who cry out to him day and night, will he delay long over them? You want bold and persistent? This woman wasn't getting her her request answered, so she's like, okay, I'm gonna wait in front of your house. Okay, you're you're gonna avoid me, I'm gonna show up at your work. Right? You know, that's what, she's, that's what she's going after. She's persistent in prayer, and that's what God is asking of us. But upon first glance on this passage, and, and I'm sure some of you are like me when you first read it, you're like, okay, I see that this guy in this parable is persistent, and I see that Jesus is saying that I need to be like this guy in my prayers. But this parable is kind of weird. Is Jesus saying that God is kind of like this grouchy, borderline, like uncooperative neighbor on the inside of the house? Is that what this parable is about? That's the opposite of what I thought Jesus might teach about. <laughs> no, Jesus is contrasting this neighbor with God. God is different from this neighbor in this parable. So if the neighbor is willing to answer the request of this persistent friend, how much more will God be willing to answer us as his persistent children? But I think if we're honest, too many of us actually view God like this annoyed neighbor. You know, we have viewed him like he's annoyed with us, like he's frustrated with us. But we need to stop acting like God is inconvenienced by us. He's not. You know, some of us are like, Lord, I know you got a lot of things going on, like running the world and everything. And and I've got these things going on, you know. So if you have time, if you will hear me, listen, no. That is not who God is. He loves receiving our prayers. He, and he promises to answer our prayers. How do I know that? Look in the next verse. You know, verse nine, it says, 
And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So here's the second thing I think Jesus wants us to see in this passage, is that persistent prayer is guaranteed to succeed. Persistent prayer is guaranteed to succeed. Now, we will get to this in a little while. It is guaranteed to succeed, but it may not look exactly how you might think. He promises to answer us, but it might look a little bit differently than you thought it would look like. And we'll get to this later, but Jesus, start, Jesus starts by telling them this. And, and focus on the very first part of chapter nine, oh, sorry, verse nine. It says, and I tell you. So right here, Jesus is basically saying, guys, it, this is me telling you this. I'm telling you that if you ask and seek and knock, your prayers will be answered. So Jesus is appealing to his authority here. He's saying, me, Jesus, the son of man, the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one, the creator and the sustainer of the earth is telling that if you persist in prayer, you will be answered. And because it's him, because he's the one who is saying this, you can trust me. That's what he's saying to the disciples. And that's what he's saying to us. We also see that there are three different types of prayer. I, th I thought about giving, giving you all the different ways that this kind of works out, but I'm gonna get it really, give it to you really short. You know, all, the you know, all these forms of prayers are legitimate and honor God. You know, I think it's good. Uh, I mean, I think it's good to think of these prayers as prayers for different stages of desperation. Does that make sense? So three different prayers for different stages of, of desperation. You know, some for small requests and some for larger and weightier ones. You know, he said, ask, seek, knock. You know, we see this progressive type of desperation and prayer that we can lift up to God. You know, I think the original language actually helps us, you know, with, with these words. Uh, in the Greek, these words are present imperatives, which means that they are continuous actions, meaning that if you ask, ask continually. If you seek, seek continually. If you knock, knock continually. And when you do, he will answer you. And Jesus saying that basically he is giving us all out permission to bother him in prayer. That's what he's saying to us. He is giving us permission to do that. And right here is where some of you are probably feeling the tension of this passage. You know, some of you might be saying, Pastor Scott, I have asked. I have asked and I haven't received. I have sought God and I have never found. I have knocked and the door has remained closed. Jesus is telling you to persist, to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep seeking him. I think every person in this room feels this tension. You know, I've, I've even sat around, you know, in some of your living rooms, knocking and knocking and waiting for God to answer, yet it seems like we're met with silence. You know, we beg Jesus to save our friend, but it hasn't happened yet. We beg God to save our sick one, but it hasn't happened yet. We've all prayed these types of prayers. So what does this mean? What do we do with this tension? You know, I'm gonna show us an answer from scripture in a few minutes, but before I show you that, I feel like I need to pause and just acknowledge something. I don't wanna just give you an answer without saying that, that God feels this. He understands and he knows. And there are some things that we will never know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why certain things happen. I don't know why certain evil happens the way that it does. You know, God doesn't always give us insight into specific prayers that go unanswered, you know, that seemingly go unanswered. I don't know why we see an evil the way we do. I, I know theologically that, we live in a fallen world and that sin has distorted and broken everything. As Christians, we know that, but oftentimes we're still left wanting answers. Especially when we pray for something that seems to be a no-brainer and it seemingly goes unanswered by God. You know, this is such a big topic that Pastor Spence is gonna devote an entire sermon to this idea of unanswered prayer. 
But I do think that Jesus helps us here in verses 11 and 12. You know, in what, in what, what I said earlier is that Jesus is calling us to persist in prayer. We may not understand that, but keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Why? Because he's a good father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. Let's read verses 11 and 12. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So third thing I want us to see today, to persist in prayer we have to view God as a good father. If we're going to persist in prayer, we have to view him as a good father. You know, so now Jesus is bringing back this fatherhood of God idea that he started with in verses one through four. He's saying that in prayer, you are praying, in fact, to a good father. You're praying to a daddy who loves his kids. And he said, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? He's saying that no good father would do that. And when fathers are asked for a fish, they don't put their kids in harm's way. You know, they give them what's good for them. We have to understand that, that if we're going to view God as a good father, if we don't view God as a good father, we will never persist in prayer. I mean, why would we? Why would we continuously pray to someone that we don't actually trust? You know, and I think some of us in this room, you know, probably many of you have actually had a great dad. You know, and you should praise God. I'm one of those. I had a great dad. Um, and you should praise God for that. He is a shadow of what our Heavenly Father is. And we need to praise the Lord. And yet, for many of us in this room, all your father has given you your entire life is snakes. That's all you've received from your dad. You know, you asked for an egg and your earthly father put you in a position to be stung by scorpions every day. Day after day, year after year, you received nothing but harm. So viewing God as a father is hard for you. And to that, I say, yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense that you would feel that way. Or maybe you asked your dad for a fish and, and he kind of ignored you. Maybe you ran up to your dad, you know, every day, you know, you just wanted to play and, and he was simply too busy for you. He was never there for you emotionally and he was never present. He was only around when there was something in it for him. And to that, I say that, that makes sense. It makes sense that trusting God as a father would be hard for you. Or finally, maybe you, didn't, you never had a dad. You know, maybe he passed away before you were born and all you're left with is pictures. You know, it may not be his fault that he's not around, but, but because he's been absent, this idea of God as a father is kind of cloudy because you haven't experienced it. Or if you had a dad, maybe some of you, you have a dad, but he, he just left you. He left you, he left your mom. He straight up abandoned you and your family. He left you out in the cold to fend for yourself. And you know that this isn't true intellectually, but deep down you have asked yourself somewhere throughout your life, is this my fault? So when you hear that we need to pray to God as a father, you ask yourself, I don't know if, you say to yourself, I don't know if I can believe that. It's just so hard to believe. And I just wanna empathize with you for a moment and say, yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense why that would be hard. And if that, has your been, if that has been your earthly experience with your father, I just wanna say to you, I'm so sorry. Sin is so devastating. That is not how God designed fathers to be. Fathers are to be nurturers, to protect and to speak life into their families. And the thought of hurting their children would grieve them. Your dad's job was to show you how to know, to love and to follow Jesus. 
But for many, that's not what happened. So hearing to persist in prayer, we have to view God as a good father is difficult to hear. Persist in prayer. I have a hard enough time just praying once to him throughout the day. And I just want you to know that I understand that. And more importantly, God understands that. He knows that. He sees that. But even though you might struggle with viewing God as a father, it doesn't make it any less true that a good father is who he actually is. Yes, it makes it harder to believe, for sure. Yes, it makes it harder to believe. But when you look at the scriptures, God the Father has chosen to reveal himself to us as a good father who loves you. He wants you. He wants you so badly as his child that he sent his son to die for you. He wants to hear you. He wants to pay attention to you. And he wants to hear your prayers. You know, for some of you, this might be the hang up for you in your walk with the Lord. So maybe your homework for this week is asking God for, you to, for him to help you in this space. Because until you, seriously, until you see him rightly, it will be really, really hard for you to trust him for the rest of your life. And if you don't see him rightly, your joy in the Lord is gonna be minimal. You, will, you won't trust him. You won't take risks for God. You're, you're not gonna wanna obey him. And he wants your good. He does. So going back to this parable, God was contrasting himself with, you know, with this annoying, you know, annoyed, grouchy neighbor. And what he's saying is that God's not like that. In verses 11 through 13, he's saying, God's not like a father who would give a snake or a scorpion. He's a God who wants to answer our persistent prayer. But the question that you may be asking yourself was, how does he answer us? How does he do that? Are these verses saying that God is going to answer all of my prayers if I ask? You know, because some of you have been asking and asking, seeking, seeking, knocking, knocking, yet it seems like God isn't answering you. What is going on there? What is going on there? You know, I think at face value, when you read this passage, it does seem like Jesus is saying that when we pray, he'll just give us whatever we want. You know, I think you're right. That can be a little confusing. And if you read this passage in isolation, it can certainly be confusing. So how does God answer our prayers? Well, he answers our prayers by giving us himself. He answers our prayers by giving us himself. Let's read verse 13 again. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The fourth thing I think Jesus wants us to see is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is God's answer to persistent prayer. The gift of the Holy Spirit is God's answer to persistent prayer. He said, some of you sinful fathers have the capacity to give your kids good gifts. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Y'all, that is amazing. He's saying that the gift that he has chosen to give us is the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. That's who he has chosen to gift us with. Now, if you're like me, when you first read it, you're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. What if I just want the gifts? <laughs> like, what, like, no, no, no. Like, I just want all my prayers answered. Give me the gifts. You know, that's what I want, but lean in with me for a second. God giving us the Holy Spirit is better than having all of our prayers answered. You have to think about this for a second. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he is God's gift to us. Church, there's no greater gift that God could have ever given us than that. The, this idea is God lavishing his grace upon us. The answer to our prayers is God giving us himself. That's unbelievable. 
And here's why that's the greatest answer to our prayers, because not all of our prayers would actually end up being for our good. Here's what James chapter four, verse three says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You know, y'all, listen, I know if you're like me, listen, I have prayed some foolish prayers. I have prayed some foolish prayers. You know, you've probably prayed some foolish prayers, but the problem is that we don't actually know they're foolish in the moment. We think this makes absolute sense, and from where I'm sitting right now, this is a no-brainer. But the problem is we don't see everything. We're not all-knowing, and God is orchestrating things that we can't even possibly imagine. You know, I was, I was uh, over the weekend, I don't know if y'all saw this, but there was this, um, there's this video going, on, going around right now uh, this interview with Justin Bieber and about how he came to faith. Did any of y'all see that this weekend? Okay, none of you did. Great. All right, so you need to go look it up. All right, so here's what happened. So um, so Justin Bieber uh, was basically kind of giving the story of how he recently, kind of like in the last year or so, gave his life to Jesus. Let me take, I just need to take one quick aside for a moment. Y'all need to lay off our boy Justin Bieber. Like, <laughs> The man gave his life to the Lord and y'all are worried that he cusses every now and then. Let the spirit have some time to work on his life. Aren't you glad that, 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 that your sanctification process wasn't on the internet every single day? Like, my goodness, can we give the boy a break? Um, okay, rant over. Um, so Justin Bieber in this interview is sharing how Christ saved him and how he was basically on the brink of death and God pulled him up out of the depths of his sin. And he shared in this interview that basically his whole life, his parents weren't really around and no one said no to him at any point of his life about anything. And he likened it to being put in a room by himself where there's a kitchen table with nothing but candy and sweets and that's all he ate whenever he wanted. His whole life has been nothing but doing what he wanted, when he wanted, and doing what seemed right in his own eyes. And as Justin looked back, he was so thankful for God's protection because it could have ended really badly. Since he was a little kid, he did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and it brought him to the brink of ruin. And that is what it would be like if God said yes to every single one of our prayers. We would be in absolute ruin. We have prayed for some stupid things, like just ridiculous things. And we know that because if you're old enough and you look back 10 years and you're like, my goodness, that prayer, if the Lord had answered that, whoo, things would be bad. You know, as a dad, you know, I care for my kids for their long-term growth, not their momentary happiness. You know, I care, you know, God cares more about you than you actually care about yourself. And because of that, he doesn't just answer every whim that you have. Instead of answering our prayers, he gives us the indwelt Holy Spirit. You have to catch this. God is for your good. He is for your sanctification. He is for your growth and your holiness, as 1 Thessalonians 4 says. This is the will of God for our lives, your sanctification. The Holy Spirit is the best gift for us because he ensures our good, because he sanctifies us into the image of God. Us growing into Christ-likeness is the best thing for us. Let's look at Romans 8, starting in verse 26. I'm going to read a passage, and I just want you to take this in. Just let this, just let it wash over you. Um, it, all right, so verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who knows hearts uh, uh, so the heart knows what's in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
So when you're praying stupid prayers, he's like, nah, that's not what they need. They need this, Lord. And he prays for you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. To those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of, of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. God may not have answered your prayers the way you have wanted, but God answered your greatest prayer when you said, Lord, save me. He saved you when you cried out to him. And I think that you can trust your heavenly father when he says what you need more than anything is the third person of the Trinity. You need the Holy Spirit. I also think that verse 13 should change how we pray. As I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is God's answer to persistent prayer. And let me read the second half of verse 13. It says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Some of you need to start praying for the Holy Spirit to fuel you to pray the will of God. To try and persist in prayer on your own on your own strength, and to pray prayers that are aligned with God's will, that will not happen if you do that on your own strength. You will be doomed. You're going to be praying for some dumb stuff. We need him to fuel us and to shape our prayers. So ask him for the strength to persist and that he would shape the content of your prayers. Let's look at what 1 John 5, 14 says. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We can't pray the will of God without the Holy Spirit's help. He will remind us of truth in our time of need, and he will help us to recall God's word. Because God's word is our ultimate authority. That's what we need. You know, a few weeks back, Pastor Chris Gaynor, if y'all were here, uh, he preached for us on a Sunday, but he also stayed on a Monday and did a training on prayer for our staff. And listen, it was incredible. I actually wasn't there, but I heard about it. And, uh, but I heard, you know, whisperings of this really awesome training. And I was like, I need some of that. Uh, so, so someone, uh, one of our staff members sent me this. And, um, and he was telling a story about how oftentimes his kids will come up to him and will ask him for things. And a lot of the times he gives it to him. Why? Because he loves them. But sometimes they ask, for, ask him for things that would not be for their good. So like a good father, he tells them no. And they get mad, right? Like they get mad, much like we do with God sometimes. We get mad. So when that happens, this is amazing. When that happens, he asks them four questions. And when I heard these questions and then he flipped these questions, these are questions he asks his kids, but they're also questions that he imagines God asking him, if that makes sense. So first question. So this is Uncle Chris's wisdom to you, all right? Uh, first question that he asks his kids when he doesn't give them what they want. Do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you? So again, flip that around on you. When you ask for God, ask God for something, the Lord's saying to you, do you know that I love you? The second is, have I done enough for you to be convinced that I am for your good? So the Lord, again, asking us, have I done enough for you to be convinced that I'm for your good. And I think because of the cross and the resurrection, we can say yes. Number three, are you willing to admit that I know some things that you don't know? Are you willing to admit that I know some things that you don't know? You know, if you have kids in here, like my, one of my daughters just wants to play in traffic. So that's just what she wants to do. And she's so mad that I won't let her do that. But I'm like, girl, you're going to get run over. She doesn't know 
that I know that that's not for her good. So are you willing to admit that the father knows some things that you don't know? And lastly, he asks his kids, are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to trust me? At the end of the day, that's what persistence in prayer, that's what prayer is all about. Do you actually trust God? Do you actually trust him? Listen, I don't know your story or how you walked in today, but I thought I'd share a quick little story from my life. When I was, when I was a kid, you know, eight years old, uh, my family, uh, are, you know, I'm a missionary kid. I grew up overseas. Um, and one day I was walking home uh, from somewhere. I don't know where I was coming home from, but I was coming home and waiting in front of my house were three kids, three older kids, uh, you know, who I thought were my friends, but these kids uh, beat me up right in front of my house. I didn't know why, but they did. You know, and in that moment, all I wanted was my dad to run out of the house and just, eh, you know, like that's all I wanted was for him to come out and save me. But he didn't. Not because he didn't want to. He, he wasn't home. He just wasn't home. My mom wasn't home either. They were over at the neighbor's. So they didn't know what was going on. All I wanted was for my dad to come save me. I had a great dad, but my great dad is not omnipresent. He does, he's not everywhere. He doesn't know everything, but our heavenly father is, and he knows everything, and he is calling you to persist in prayer, and unlike many of our fathers who may not have been around, our heavenly father is with, he has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, and while we are here now, we have this gift of the Holy Spirit to walk with us, because when we don't know what to do, when we're asking for wisdom, instead of just answering us once, you know, this one little, giving us a little bit of counsel, instead of giving us a little bit of counsel, he gave us the counselor, right? When I needed help, when you need help, and you're struggling and you don't know what to do, you're lonely, guess what? He doesn't just show up once to help you. He has given you the helper, And one day he's coming back. One day, our fa- one day Christ, our, our father is sending Jesus to come back after his kids. And he's coming home on a cloud, a sword coming out of his mouth, robe drenched in blood. And he is coming to make all things right. And he is coming to bring his kids home. That's who our God is. That's who we pray to. That's who we persist in prayer towards. So church, persist until he comes. Let me pray. God, we, we know that we don't persist in prayer as we ought. And God, I pray if, if, if we don't persist in prayer because... Because we don't view you rightly, God, I pray that you will help us. Help us to see you as a good father. And help us to see that the gift of the Holy Spirit is actually what we need. You have met our greatest need and you have answered our greatest prayer. Lord, help us to trust you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So as we've been doing in this series... um, we're going to spend some time in prayer together. So if you will partner with one or, two, one or two other people, and we're going to go through some prayer points that we're going to pray together, and I'm going to give you a few minutes for each point as we pray. And then after that, right now, our teams are going to get set up for communion. And we're going to be in four stations, as we have been the last few months. So, we'll, so this section will be here, and that section will be there. And then those, um, and in the last prayer point, the last prayer point that we go through is gonna be focused on and kind of transition us into a time of communion together. So when that time comes, I'll lead you through communion. But let me go through this first prayer point for us. And then you can find uh, your neighbor and then you can pray. If you have come today and 
you don't know anybody and you don't feel comfortable with that, that's okay. Just put your head down. Your neighbor will know you're praying on your own. Here's the first prayer point. Share with God the ways you have seen his fatherly love towards you. Share with God the ways that you have seen his fatherly love towards you. Just name things that he has done. How has he been a good father to you? So join in prayer with the person next to you. Pray out loud. It's good for for the saints to hear other saints praying. So pray out loud and in a couple minutes, I'll come back and lead us in our next prayer point. second prayer point maybe the next person can pray this one admit that you don't know everything but that you'll trust him anyways admit to God that you don't know everything but you're going to choose to trust him in the midst of what might be seemingly unanswered prayers this third prayer point ask the Holy Spirit to help you persist in seemingly unanswered prayers ask the Holy Spirit to help you to persist in prayer on these things that you feel like are prayers that you feel like are unanswered
before we pray this last prayer, I'm gonna ask our teams to come and to get set up in our different four stations for communion. And before I tell you this last prayer point, because we're gonna pray this before we take communion together, um, I wanna take a moment and just explain to you what communion actually is. So communion, that what Jesus taught in the gospels was that he, he, he had a last supper with the disciples and, and they sat down to eat and he held out some bread and said, this is my body, which will be given for you. Take, eat and remember me, remember my sacrifice. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood that will be shed for you. The blood of the new covenant that will be spilled for you for your sins. Now the disciples didn't know what he was actually saying at that time, but they would in a few days later. What they would see and what these elements represent is that Jesus, he lived a life that we could never live. He lived a perfect life. And then he died a death on the cross that we deserve because of our sin. And instead of God pouring out all of his wrath onto us, he poured it out onto his son. Why? So that we could be reconciled back to God. And we have hope because Jesus rose out of the grave. So if this is not a, if you've never heard this and you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna ask that, that for, for today, don't take communion. I'm gonna ask you to give your life to Jesus. Come talk to us after the service. Give your life to Jesus. Look at what these elements represent and pray to God, give your life to him. And if you don't know what that means, come talk to us. But if you are a Christian, what we're gonna do is we're gonna play a couple songs, okay? And I want you to pray this fourth prayer point. Thank Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross and for the gift of the Holy Spirit to you. Thank Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, so y'all pray together. We're gonna sing this song. And at some point during this first song, you come and you take the elements. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that as we take communion, as we, as we, as we pray this last prayer point, God, I pray that we will be drawn to awe and to worship. And God, I pray, Lord, thanking you for your son and his sacrifice, thanking you for giving us the Holy Spirit.